0: hello and welcome back this is what is qualitative anyway Um, so now we're looking at chapter 8 unobtrusive measure measures in research so the objective in this is just to examine the different um, benefits and different types of um, data you can use for your research purpose but I think one of the main things it discusses especially in the beginning of the chapter that for this to be completely unobtrusive the what you want the study or the data that you're looking at to be is to not be a result of your topic. So, if you're for myself, I'm going to be studying, researching, or I'm researching what feminism is, uh, what a feminist is, what do people think of that right now. I wouldn't want to say that to someone and then use maybe a journal entry that they did after the fact of them, of mentioning that to them. So you want what you're looking at the data to stand for itself. I think like the Hawthorne effect, you don't want to give any um, inclination into what you're trying to do and then, you know, uh, receive information based on that. I liked how the chapter mentioned different examples of how even though this type of um, data can seem... Minuscule or just kind of be dismissed. I think any type of data, any type of research that someone is doing with good intention uh, is useful. So, you know, how um, searching through someone's garbage, the chapter mentioned, or when a research group did that, you know, to study uh, whether people were drinking alcohol or not, it turned into an actual study now uh, garbology you know these things have purposes these traces that we leave behind and I think that's uh, I I liked about the chapter it reflects on we all have a story to tell it's a part of history and I love history so any you know artifacts that you see are a part of history Um, they explain culture and society and social issues Um, you know even when I thought of or when I was reading the one uh, where the researcher was looking at garbage to see what um, it, how much liquor sales were in a town where it was supposed to be a dry town with no liquor being sold, I think it speaks to the fact that there's you know there's reasons why people were seeking possibly, you know, liquor. In a town where liquor isn't sold, they're going that extra effort to find it. So there's maybe some type of social issue there, or what what have you, um, crime, you know, whatever it could be. There could be different issues, but based on that data, they found um, a new research card called Garbology, which I thought was very interesting, and then and the beginning of the chapter it goes on to mention as far as how crime uh, analysis is used for this you know using newspapers um, especially to kind of track make a geographical outline to track you know where uh, crime may occur prior to it occurring but the main fact was that it was using data not produced by the crime itself but rather using data that didn't um, wasn't related to the crime but helped them Produce an outline. So it's very interesting how you can research things, and I think of triangulation using these different methods to form one concrete or more concrete analysis or understanding of the different data and traces you know that you're you're finding from you know human behavior um, along the way, but. Um, I don't want to spend too much on this chapter as far as the different types of data. I mean, I thought, for me, I thought they were pretty um, self-explanatory, you know, like records, documents, school records, um, biographies, letters, diaries, Um, all of these can be different forms of data. I do want to focus on um, the chapter mentioning blogs. Um, Because I won't really be looking at other types of records. But I also, um, when it comes to, which I enjoyed that our um, professor Casso mentioned, that when looking at those other records that are more formal, um, maybe government documents or court documents, there is an underlying story to that. And I'm always trying to look for that, not necessarily looking at what I'm seeing, but what cause this. So if you're looking at divorce records or even criminal records, you know, murder, whatever it is, there's underlying reasons, you know, it doesn't tell you both sides of the story uh, with things like that. So that's one way where you cannot get the full picture. Uh, I did enjoy hearing that in class, but um, one of the main things uh, that I think I would find useful is it mentioned blogs. Um, and I think that's something that I wanted to do for my research, as far as uh, feminist uh, trying to understand what do people think feminism or feminist is now, because there is, after talking to people, there is still this idea that it's you know the the crazy woman or the strong, loud, you know maybe obnoxious or um, gay or lesbians, you know, it, but it's just so much broader than that. Um, so I thought about looking at different blogs um, of women and even men to kind of get an idea. Well, obviously, blogs weren't available back um through the different waves of feminism but just to get a more contemporary look at it looking at blogs and so i was trying to think of a theory for this chapter just to try to place it in theory i was struggling with that so i kind of just go back to symbolic interactionism when you're looking at these different um artifacts from people traces whatever records whatever it may be you're looking at people's lives and you're trying to see where their relation is to that so when I look at blogs, I want to see how people are relating to feminism right now, how um, maybe someone else, maybe males, what their difference is on the word feminism or being a feminist. So I'm hoping to find the um, how those different symbols of feminism are different amongst other, you know, different people, maybe of different classes, different races, you know, obviously different sexes and gender, I'm interested to look into that. So, you know, reading the chapter when I saw blogs and and I hope I'm thinking of that right, but um, I think it would be helpful as far as a more um, recent and current idea of how people are relating to that um, symbol of feminism. Uh, But the other thing to mention on this chapter, which is important, is erosion measures and uh, accretion measures. So just to clarify on that, um, erosion measures is more like uh, if you think of a library book and how much it's used, or even the smell of a library book. I love the smell of old library books. Um, even the ones that have like those plasticky covers and you open it and you hear the plastic opening, but you can see the wear on those books, um, even from that old dusty smell that they have, the wear on the spines of the books. Um, and then accretion measures is just something that's deposited over time, like dust or even just residue, maybe dirty fingers is kind of what I think of. Um, but they have, I mean, this form of research has its different you know, advantages and disadvantages. So with an advantage is just being able to, one, look at documents that maybe haven't been touched or um, affected, reacted to in a while. Um, And then just the fact that you're looking at social artifacts, you know, I think it's just important, especially in being in the social sciences field. And then, you know, the book mentions disadvantages. And I, you know, kind of went over that as far as certain documents may not give you the full story. You know, there's always two stories. Yeah, that was the chapter. And it was simple, but I still liked it. I liked the idea of learning uh, from people's traces. It's just It seems a bit historical, and I like history. I like knowing um, how things happened, you know, the archaeology of it. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening.